I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And for the 11th time in a row, the Arizona Wildcats football team lost. Um, this time it was to the Colorado Buffaloes, 24-13. to Brett, you and I each thought the Wildcats would win. Um, we were wrong. Again, it happens often. We should probably stop doing predictions just for our own sake. But <laughs> I feel like in watching this game, a lot of what we thought, a lot of the reasons why we thought Arizona had a chance were true. They were present. But yet Arizona made just enough mistakes, struggled again in the red zone, and lost 24-13 to to a team that, I'll be honest, I think they should have beat. Yeah, I, I we caught a lot of flack from our uh, friends at the Freeballin' podcast for <laughs> Colorado, who broadcasted, you know, somewhat out of context, are they got to be the worst 3-0 and team ever or in the country, right? Well, now and, they're the worst 4-0 and team. Because yeah, they're not, was, they weren't good. Yeah, and they were trying to uh, troll the Twitter handle. I'm like, yes, they are the worst four and O team now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd um, rather be the worst four and O team than the best zero and four team. Like, I'd rather have Colorado's yes. record if I'm Arizona, of course. But there wasn't All anything facts. particularly impressive about the Buffaloes in this game, other than the fact they were better than Arizona, I guess, or they scored more points than Arizona. I'll put it that way. It, it was a weird game. Arizona actually started pretty well and following kind of the game plan you wanted to see with them moving the ball but again you pointed out the just atrocious red zone um you know woes continue and how about a i mean a sign of colorado like they had a running back at 300 yards and have zero touchdowns like that's a feat unto itself yeah um and Michael Wiley had a fantastic game, except for everyone's just going to remember he basically missed two touchdowns by tripping on the five-yard line <laughs> and had a ball hit him in the hands on a wheel route, you know, hit him in both hands. And Towards the end of the first half, yeah. And, you know, you know, a way to avoid red zone woes is score on those big plays. And it's just, you know, like you said there, you know, uh, a play here, a play there, they just couldn't quite handle it and the things we know are the weaknesses like the middle of that defense with the the linebackers and safeties when they're you know once they kind of wore down the defense a little bit then again the defense wasn't great but they were good enough to win uh Mm -hmm. anthony pandy had an insane interception you know will Plummer, you know not great but not bad especially for if you're grading on a curve you know pretty good it's just you know, the story of the whole the whole season is, you know, in Arizona football is always a couple plays away from from making it work. And they just can't quite get over that hump. Yeah. And I we're going to have a guest on later today, Brad Denny from Speak of the Devils podcast. I did a guest spot on his show this week, too. And you start looking and say, OK, Arizona's 0-4. Three of those games, they had a chance to win. The first loss, USC, they had the lead late. The UCLA game, it was really a close game through the fourth quarter. You know, say for the drop snap on the field goal attempt that would have brought it within a touchdown with 10 minutes left. And in this game against Colorado, Arizona was up 13 nothing. It should have been more. And even then, all throughout the game, they gave up all those rushing yards. Broussard had 308 yards, and most of those 308 yards came on like four or five runs. You know, it's, it's one of those weird asterisk type of things because obviously they gave up the yardage, and that's not sustainable as a defense. But I forget what the exact number was. I think it was Aaron Blackwell in his press conference on Tuesday, which is the day we're recording, by the way. But he said something like, they looked at it, there were like four or five runs that went for like 50-plus yards, and the rest of the plays, 
running plays were like two yards or less for Colorado. It was that weird thing where you're watching, oh, the defense is playing pretty well, and now they give up a long run. You know, oh, now they're playing really well again, and they gave up a long run, and it happened even on the last drive that led made the game out of reach. You know, Arizona failed in the red zone, threw incomplete on four, went on four on fourth down, which was the right decision, it was incomplete. And then a few plays later, Colorado's down in the red zone, or really within a goal-to-go situation. The defense held and forced into a field goal, but that made it a two-score game. It was, it was everything we, like, Colorado was exactly the team we thought they'd be, in that Sam Neuer was not a good quarterback. You know, and you want to make him beat you with his arm, and obviously if you allow 308 yards rushing to one player, you're not making the quarterback do much. And as Arizona fans know very well, sometimes you don't have to throw a pass to win a game. You know, <laughs> like, like that's, that's a great strategy if you can do it. But, you know, Arizona was even more so than the UCLA game, and you could argue even the USC game, they were in position to not only win this game, but to make the plays to do it. You mentioned Michael Wiley. He had that passing in the first half where Arizona had struggled after that 13-0 start. They had a chance to go into the half with the lead, basically, because they were down 14-13 to 13 at that point. Wiley balls maybe slightly overthrown, but should have been caught. And if it was caught, it could have been a touchdown. And then, yeah, later in the game when he busts through the line for a long run, trips over himself basically at the five-yard line, and Arizona throws an interception, I think two or three plays later, Plummer, the ball got tipped at the line. Like, that's, that's Arizona for you. Like, they're an, it's an 11-game losing streak, and most of those losses have not been close, but especially the last two were. And it didn't want to think it's because Arizona's a particularly good team or maybe better than their record indicates, but those were two winnable games. Colorado even more so than UCLA being at home in the way Arizona played. So it's disappointing because it's like, wow, you had a chance to end this losing streak. But if you're Arizona, especially with all the injuries, with all the opt-outs, I mean, with your true freshman backup quarterback, you have to play a really good game, a really clean game. And tripping over yourself, having a ball bat at the line that turns into an interception, like giving up a huge run when you can least afford to do so. Just enough. I think I tweeted Arizona made just enough plays to lose the game. You know, because <laughs> like they made yeah. some really good plays. Pandy had two picks. You mentioned the one arm or the one handed pick that he had to open the second half. Arizona got no points out of that in Colorado territory. Like they made so many good plays. Brian Castile had that monster catch on a deep ball. Arizona made so many good plays. Like, wow, that good teams make those plays. And they still lost because they made just enough bad plays or did not make enough good plays to win the game. Okay, and, you know, you talked about all the opt-outs and injuries. That's not even talking about, you know, the transfers out and the, the, the guys that left the team even in the spring. Like, if you just had one of Tony Fields or Colin Schooler, <laughs> yeah. you know, two of two of those large runs probably don't happen, at least, right? But you don't have those um, guys, right? Like, you don't. Yeah, you haven't had so, them for months now. Yeah, and... Jordan Morgan clearly still dealing with an injury issue, so that meant Peyton Fears was still rolling out there. Um, they made a change. I forget who started the game, but then Josh Baker. Oh, it was Josh Donovan who struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the guys that you that we've haven't seen play in some of these positions that are struggling, we're kind of seeing why they haven't been playing. <laughs> yeah, the depth um, isn't great, and the offensive line is still continues to be a disappointment. Like that was one group we thought yeah. really highly of going into the season, and it's arguably been arguably been the worst group on the team and jamari williams just announced he's leaving the program uh if you're asking who it's that it's because he wasn't good enough to push for playing time yeah he's an old three-star recruit that you know was not like highly regarded but not like filler in the class but obviously if you're not breaking through on this line there's a there's an issue there right Mm -hmm. there should be plenty of snaps available available for people that are uh (laughs) capable of producing um so yeah i you know, I think for both Arizona and Colorado, we know who they are, and they, they showed that. And you missed a prime opportunity there with Colorado to pull a Denny Green and say they are who they <laughs> thought we were. And if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. Because they're in first place in the South, too. And, and you it give makes them credit. no sense. You give them credit for winning that game. But even the final box score, Arizona won the turnover battle. They got three turnovers in this game, the Wildcats. They did the yeah, thing. If you, had told me, <laughs> if you had told me they would have had three turnovers, I would have said, they're absolutely winning that game against yeah. Colorado. Arizona was plus two on turnovers. They got a big punt return from Jamari Joyner, which set up their touchdown. They got some big chunk plays themselves. Uh, Arizona did a lot of good things in this game, and you might want to be there and like, oh, well, that's good. That's progress, right? I mean, that's all you're hoping to see this season anyway is progress. But it wasn't enough progress, and it was against a team that, yes, they're 4-0. Congratulations to Colorado. They're 4-0. They've earned that record. But if I don't think they'd be in a team that – is good. <laughs> yeah. 
And that and that's not. I mean, there's something to be said for being the best team of the bad teams. You know, they're better than Arizona. <laughs> they're better than Stanford. You know, there's something to be said for that. I'd rather be better. I'd rather again, like I said, I'd rather be Colorado right now. Oh, but for Arizona, this was a great chance to end the losing streak, even with the injuries, with the opt outs, with all the roster. I mean, they went into the game with what 55 scholarship players, which is two over the minimum that Pac-12 will allow you to have. Like, there's a lot working against them, but yet they had a chance to win this game against a lesser opponent who has four wins now. So it's what you make of it. I don't know. Other than just like, yeah, they, they have some players on this team who are pretty good. Arizona. Those guys made plays. Like, Anthony Pandy had a hell of a game. He deserved to win. Michael Wiley, for his struggles, he had a really good game, too. Gary Brightwell had a really good game. And Will Plummer wasn't bad. You know? But it just wasn't enough. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's frustrating, I guess, and probably more so for them. Losing or winning becomes a habit, right? Like, we're always saying that they're a player two here or there consistently away from winning. Mm-hmm. Um and at some point that's a culture of the program and a reflection of the coaching staff and the, the habit of the school. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's not great. <laughs> like we, it, it could be better for them right now. Obviously they've lost 11 games in a row. They're 0 and four in this season. One of the few teams that's played four games. That's a lot for a pac 12 team to have four games. And um, <sighs> there's all the worm was swirling. Does Kevin someone is he on his way out now? It's hard to imagine that they'd like to keep him with the losing streak. It's hard to imagine. And, it's, and you wonder if the last game against ASU makes any – not the last game because there's supposed to be one more after that. But if what happens the rest of the season matters for Kevin Sumlin's job security. Um, I, it's just – it's not a good position to be in. And even beating Colorado would not have salvaged the season. But like we said, it would have given them something to feel pretty good about. would have given them something to I – mean, obviously the losing streak ends. That's You want the losing streak to end no matter what. You're not in good company with how many other programs have similar streaks. And they just, that was another opportunity, arguably their best opportunity all season, maybe the last, last game, if they play a team that's at the, I don't know who it would be, who they'd match up with from the North. But this was an excellent opportunity, and a lot of guys made winning plays. A lot of guys had good games, but it wasn't enough because they didn't make enough winning plays. They didn't have enough guys having good games. Like, that's, that's Arizona. That's where they're at right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it harkens back to what we talked about all off season, where I've been the person saying how you absolutely need depth almost more than you need stars. And I feel like this this season and this game was a good microcosm of that. Because like, if you had better depth on the O-line, uh, you don't have to have guys playing hurt or you're able to bench guys. Um, but it's just another, another, another day, another frustrating loss, uh, and, and just more question marks surrounding someone. Yeah, well, we can get to that in a little bit later in this show. We're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to bring on Brad Denny from Speak of the Devils to help us preview an ASU team that has now played two games. And let's see if anyone knows what to make of the Devils right after this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, we're back, and we are joined by Brad Denny from Speak of the Devils, the podcast, the website. There's all sorts of good stuff. If you're an ASU fan, you're listening to the wrong podcast, but if you're an ASU fan, he's <laughs> a great guy to follow. Uh, Brad, thanks for joining us, and two games into the season. like I remember we had talked before like on this show about when Arizona and ASU were supposed to play the first time this season. And like not the, not the when a Territorial Cup normally would be, but when, like oh, they thought it might be, I think, in September. And I hated the idea of those two teams playing week one because I'm just like, that's not a territorial cup. 
now looking at the Territorial Cup we're about to have, I yearn for week one because <laughs> ASU has played two games this season. Arizona has played four. Neither team has a win. And just this seems so weird. It definitely fits the profile of 2020. It, yeah, I mean, I also was a very much against the uh, rivalry game right off the bat. I understood maybe some of the logic, but <laughs> then ASU got hit with so many cancellations. I started to come around to the idea of just like, all right, cancel everything else keep the U of A game and just bubble up. Cause that's the only one at this point that really matters that ha- that carries with it. Any kind of value. Um, Cause this season is of course, it's kind of like a glorified exhibition, but yeah, I mean, just to get to this point, you know, th- thankfully things are right now on track for this game to be played. So as long as, uh, you know, these two teams can get to, to Friday kickoff, I think that'll be a massive win regardless of whoever takes home the cup. Yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of nervous about that from the Arizona perspective, considering how many opt-outs they've had. Last week, they only had 55 players, and one announced an intent to transfer this week, so there ain't much margin for error in this game uh, from the Arizona side. But we know at least ASU has herd immunity at this point, I think, right? <laughs> so from their perspective, they should be good to go on Friday. Taking a page from that LSU playbook, yeah, just, you know, everybody get it, and yeah, so, I mean, the uh, ASU offensively should be in good health shape, <laughs> at least in that regard. <laughs> but I guess the question is, because by the time the Territorial Cup normally happens, we have an idea of who these teams are. They've played 10 games or so. Like, we get it, you know. ASU has played two games that were about a month apart from each other. They were rusty probably against UCLA, who is a team that beat Arizona. I, I what is what do you what can you make of ASU right now? Can you make anything of them other than what your preseason expectations were, given that the sample size of performance is so small and so convoluted? Uh, at this point, I have a much better feel for the defense and so where they are. Um, they in both games they played pretty well, considering that they were putting in a brand new scheme, uh, moving away from that three three five to the to the four man front under Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce. They've had uh, you know, pretty good success, especially up front with the D-line. Um, you know, I was looking at some of the numbers, and the, the, one of the big Achilles heel uh, the Sun Devils had the last couple of years is failing to generate some pressures. But that defensive line so far in the two games has been pretty good. Granted, it's a small sample size, but uh, defensive line coach Robert Rodriguez has probably been you know, one of the more uh, valuable members of this program for what he's been able to do with that position group. Um, so I think the defense has done pretty well. I mean, USC, they were on the field for... 95 plays and so they were you know in control for about three and a half quarters but then fatigue kind of got the best of them down the stretch but i thought they played pretty well especially coming off after a month layoff it's on the offensive side though is really where i really it's real hard to say what direction asu is going in uh they're of course putting in a brand new offense as well uh they didn't look exactly too sharp in terms of the passing game in the uh opener uh Jaden daniels has not looked his sharpest like his sharpest self uh, in, the, in these games, uh, first game wasn't exactly helped with the injury to Frank Darby. Some of the young freshman receivers looked like freshman receivers. Uh, they played much better in the uh, game against UCLA. But the one consistent has been the the run game. Uh, Diamante Train, the freshman running back, he has been an absolute beast. Uh, ran for over 100 yards against UCLA on Saturday. Uh, Rashad White, the Juco transfer, has been pretty explosive as a runner. He's real slippery. Uh, also a very uh, dangerous receiver as well. Uh, the offensive line has done pretty well uh, in the run, opening some holes. Not not exactly so great in pass protection. Uh, Jaden uh, Jay Daniels was sacked five times against UCLA. Not good. Uh, that was, I believe, that's the highest total ASU's allowed in about uh, over a season. So, so Arizona uh, calls that a Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the, the jury is still very much out because you know, trying to put in a new offense, especially one that has a lot of moving pieces. I mean, you know, something that you'll see from the Sun Devils on uh, Friday is a lot of shifting, a lot of pre-snap motion. It's a very complicated offense that Zach Hill brought in. And just, you know, having two games uh, separated by a month um, has really kind of held this team back in terms of getting uh, into any kind of rhythm. Uh, but the short week, I think, maybe should help because there has been some, there were some promising signs in the second half against UCLA that maybe they're starting to figure things out a little bit. They're still uh, a lot of areas for improvement, but you know, just the nature of the, the long layoff, the rust, and then of course, you know, there, a lot of the uh, the COVID issues were on the offensive side of the ball. So a lot of those guys, even though they were 
uh, over the course of those three weeks, I mean, they were not able to do a whole lot of anything. So that just kind of further hindered the uh, the developments and implementation of this offense. You know, as an Arizona fan, one of the things I've been thinking about over the summer years in this season is that Arizona kind of lacks an identity as a team, and I think that shows up on the field. ASU, you know, you've been talking about the new systems on offense and defense, and they've only had two games. Is Does ASU at this point have an identity as a team? And if so, what is it? Honestly, they probably don't. That's still something that they're trying to find out. You know, are they going to be, you know, coming into this year, you know, there was a lot of thought that perhaps, you know, with the success Jaden had in year one, that, you know, this is going to be Jaden Daniels' team who's going to kind of parlay some of the success with his arm with some of the talented receivers coming in uh, to be kind of an aerial attack. Um, that has not taken place. Um, the run game has been surprisingly, uh, surprisingly good. I mean, I thought it would be solid, but through two games, and again, a small sample size, uh, it's been pretty pretty good I and mean, really promising. And, you know, the one-two punch of, of Trainum and White has been pretty uh, pretty good and something to build upon. But I don't know that it's to a point where you can say ASU is a you know quality running team as of yet. Um, I'd say if the closest thing probably to an identity is that they're a pretty stout defense. They have, uh, you know, at all three levels of the defense, they have some pretty good playmakers. Um, I'm very Most people are very surprised, including myself, that the defensive line has been able to be um, as effective this early on. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that success and build upon it. But as of right now, they, I mean, they, I think, it, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, this is a team, with especially with their small sample size, of still trying to figure out who they are, what they are, other than just the team that's paid, played the fewest games in the country. <laughs> As Brad Denny, speak of the Devils, and one thing that kind of interests me is Arizona guys, the players talk about how, yeah, it's a huge game. It's like a bowl game. It's, you know, like you have to win this game. It's a big deal. How is ASU approaching it? Because it's their third game of the season, and a season that obviously has gone off the rails through not because of anything other than COVID, but it's not a normal game against Arizona in that especially ASU wants to win their first game. They want to win the rivalry game. Like, how... How are they approaching this in Tempe? It's interesting because the the read I've been getting and you know the interviews that we've been able to do and the media availability is in a normal year you know this rivalry game is will serve as kind of a nice culmination of a regular season or, or a chance to kind of salvage something from regular season. Uh, right now ASU is just looking at this game more than any, more than a rivalry game is just hey it's a game that we get to play that's been a rarity so far the fact that this is coming you know. Uh, normal, like in a normal interval after our last one. Um, you know, uh, offensive lineman Donovan West was talking about it, uh, you know, he, that he's just happy to get out there and play. That you know, this, these cancellations have uh, really driven home the fact that nothing's promised. So they're not even really looking at the, the opponent uh, in terms of you know who they're playing. It's just a matter that they are playing. It's a chance for them to get more reps in uh, to you know get further uh, uh, comfortable with the offensive and defensive schemes. Uh, so it's it's definitely weird in terms of you know where you don't have that maybe that animosity that you would in a normal year because this is just at this point they're just happy to be playing football uh and so maybe you know taking home the cup or or not that might just be you know uh icing on the cake because at this point you know they're just hungry to play some ball that's such a that's such a strange thing you know because obviously fans it's hate week for asu i know that for arizona it's just oh god the season's almost over week so that's a nice thing for for people in tucson (laughs) but it's it is that thing where in the whole 2020, obviously, like Arizona fans aren't happy with the record, but there's something to be said for, hey, we've all gotten to watch Arizona play football. We've gotten to talk on this podcast about football games. Like, we, wins or losses, it's still something. And ASU hasn't really had that. So I imagine it's the vibe that makes a lot of sense that it would be more of a, hey, we're just, you know, don't take this for granted, getting on that field, <clears throat> giving your all, you know, doing what you can to win the game, but just enjoy playing football because as ASU more than any other team probably has seen how quickly that can be taken away once even during a season. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it's been kind of one of the reinforcing the nothing's promised uh, mentality. And uh, it's a weird situation just, you know, knowing the history of this game and the, the, the importance that it it holds for both schools. But at this point, that's just all, you know, uh, you know, on on the uh, ancillary side of things, it just, getting out there and being able to, to play a game and, you know, just mid mid December. And it's going to be the third game that they've been able to play. Um, you know, even factoring in all the challenges that they've had to overcome and everything. Uh, it's pretty remarkable, but you know, just the fact that, uh, you know, they're going to get a chance to have some, uh, some reps 
um, and get ready for the 2021 season. Um, you know, if they're able to hold on to the cup, I think that that'll be great for them. But you know, I think at this point, it's just a matter of being able to stay on stay on track, finish out the, this game and whatever game uh, you know is scheduled in that uh, you know kind of that week seven slot or whatever, um, and just be able to finish and part, get some momentum going because this has been you know pr- pretty much from uh, you know top to bottom a real challenging, disappointing year in terms of the way things have panned out. So just being able to generate some positive momentum, uh, and I think you know. Number one on that list is just being able to play, and then anything else that comes from that is is a nice bonus they can carry uh, into the next year. So, Brad, when we're thinking about the the game coming up, from an ASU per- expert's perspective, you know what are the keys for ASU to to emerge from this game victorious? And conversely, if ASU was to not win the game and Arizona was to pull the upset. You know what are what are those things that you would see that would happen to, to help Arizona win or or vice versa for ASU to win? I think you know, when you look back at uh, ASU's game against UCLA on Saturday, you know, some of the, sometimes the most obvious explanation is the correct one, and I think the mistakes that ASU continuously um, had and the, all the, the different number of different ways they shot themselves in the foot and having. You know, a couple touchdowns called back by dumb penalties, a fumble at the one-yard line, uh, 12 overall penalties. That was the most in the uh, Perm era. Just, you know, a lot of self-inflicted errors that you can probably trace back to the fact that, you know, they had a month off between games and just, you know, it was kind of almost a second season opener and, and some of the things, the kinks that, you know, were, should be in a normal year uh, worked out by now. And, and that really caught, that cost them the game. You know, they were leading... Uh, late in the fourth quarter, despite all those mistakes, but ultimately UCLA was able to make enough plays. But you know, ASU again, just like they kind of did in the fourth quarter against USC, uh, you know, they kind of shot themselves in the foot over and over again. And if they're unable to, you know, get over those uh, mistakes and not able to clear up those errors, it's going to be. I think it's going to be a real long afternoon, uh, evening in Tucson. Uh, conversely, if they are able to kind of, you know, get back to the more, um, you know. Uh, form that has been more close to what Herm has uh, had with his teams over the first couple of years, you know, just kind of, you know, playing pretty sound football, keeping things close, able, if they're able to get, continue their success with the run game with Trainum and white, uh, if Jaden's able to hopefully look a little bit better than he has in the first couple of weeks. But I think if they're able to just kind of, you know, continue to uh, run the ball pretty well, generate some pressure uh, with that defensive line uh, and just, you know, just eliminate those mistakes. I think, that's going to be the, the key recipe for the Sun Devils on Friday. It, it certainly seems like ASU has a talent advantage, and probably by way of not having played much, they have a health advantage too, and just they have more bodies, more scholarship players. Like, <laughs> it seems like an easy game to pick the Sun Devils to win, you know, especially Arizona having lost 11 games in a row. But, of course, remember 2016, Arizona had lost eight games in a row, came in and inexplicably just beat up ASU, especially on the ground, you know, not throwing a pass in the second half to win that game. I feel like, though, the vibe for that ASU team by the time the season was ending was kind of like they almost didn't want to be there anymore either. Like, they weren't excited <laughs> to win a game and go to a bowl game with Todd Graham. I don't imagine yep. that's going to be the case for a Herm Edwards team this season. Like you said, they're going to be excited to play a football game, but he's the type of coach who will not have them. Well, one, will have them fired up, and two, will not allow for any kind of a letdown, any kind of overlooking Arizona. Is that is that a pretty fair assessment? Yeah, I, I think that's pretty fair. Yeah, Herm definitely has this team's uh, focus and attention. And as you mentioned, he kind of is a much different uh, type of leader uh, and kind of in, in the, the the feelings that he brings out from his players than uh, Todd Graham, um, especially in the 2016 game. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think he, he's got the, these guys, I think uh, looking in the right way of just, you know, trying to finish strong. No, you know, they've gone through all these challenges together um, and these obstacles and, and these ups and downs that this entire season has put forth. And especially, you know, over the past month or so. So I think these guys are all going to be locked in in terms of, you know, their, their focus, their motivation. Uh, I don't think that necessarily will be a, uh, you know, a factor in terms of, you know, win-loss, you know, determining the result as it was in 2016, which, yeah, ASU, their motivation was uh, not exactly where it needed to be. Uh, but, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's going to, they're going to be, they're going to be ready to play. And, you know, it's whether, you know, they're still going to have some of the, that rust you know, just from the, the month, the lingering month layoff and, and you know, all the, the stuff that they've had had to go through. 
Um, I think that'll have much more of a factor than any kind of, you know, motivation at this, at this point. All right. Well, I know Arizona fans are hoping for a repeat of 2016. <laughs> ASU <laughs> fans, I know, are hoping for any type of a similarity to any of the last three games, especially. I know it's been a more one-sided than a lot of Arizona fans would like to acknowledge over the last, you know, 10 years or so. In this game, probably there's been a lot of weird territorial cups, but I don't know if we've had such a strange lead-up to the Territorial Cup as this one. Brad Denny, speak of the Devils. Is there anything you want to promote, or where can people find your work? Oh, you know, just, uh, you know, you can find Speak of the Devils. So if you want, if your listeners want to, you know, cross an enemy, enemy territory and find out what's going on with the Sun Devils, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Uh, yeah, and so should be an interesting uh, interesting uh, game this year. May, who knows? Maybe it'll be, you know, just a real boring game to kind of go flip the script on 2020, but, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm, pre- I'm prepared for something really weird. Yeah, we have to. Be. I mean... I mean, we all had Arizona and ASU having the same number of wins in the Territorial Cup game in 2020, right? <laughs> that's true. They, you know, they always say to throw out the records in, the, in this uh, this rivalry, so I think that's a really good idea this year. <laughs> I, I think we, yeah, I think we can all agree to that. <laughs> all right, Brad, Denny, speak of the Devils, thanks so much, and we'll catch up with you again down the road. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. So that's Brad Denny, Speak of the Devils. And in terms of ASU information, obviously, he, he knows what he's talking about. It's great to get his perspective. And I just I can't get over the fact that we really don't know anything about this Sun Devil team other than what we thought going into the season. You know, what, at least when it comes to the offense, that Jaden Daniels was a good quarterback and would take a step forward. Zach Hill, the offensive corner, came over from Boise State, would open things up for them. But they played two games. Their offense was good against USC back in, what, September? You know, when it was the first game, October, and then they weren't so good against UCLA here in December. And that's the only sample size we have. So it's just it's good to get that perspective. But I get the impression even from talking to Brad that no one's quite sure what to make of ASU's offense. Yeah, you know, talking to some ASU friends, they're they're quickly uh, already calling for like, QB competition next year after they were miffed at Jaden Daniels not being the greatest quarterback ever, um, which, you know, I'm somebody that thought Jaden Daniels is a little overrated, but I also think that's a little ridiculous to already be calling for a competition. Also, they don't have any other um, quarterbacks on the roster, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So <laughs> who are you going to replace him with? <laughs> backup. Um, you know, yeah, I think I think that's right. I think the key. I think Brad was right that ASU, if the ASU has an identity, it's on their defense. They've got. They've got some good guys. Chase Lucas is a potential all Pac-12 corner. Um, you know, Merlin Robertson's had some great plays in the two games. Yeah. Right. Uh, and is a pretty good track record. So, to you know, to me, the the ability for Arizona's offense, which we thought would be a strength going against ASU's defensive strength, is going to be a key to the game because ASU's offense is a big unknown. And you know, we, as we've talked about, Arizona's defense has not been great, but they've also been good enough to win some games if the offense lived up to expectations. So, you know, it's it's the Territorial Cup combined six losses and no wins. It's, it, it's I don't I don't have any clear sense of what is going to happen in this game. No, and, and you can't. And people will say that going into the Territorial Cup, no matter what, they're like, oh, well, throw the records out. You know, it doesn't matter who has a better season. Like, Generally speaking, the better team wins the game. Like there's there's some outliers, of course, but that's sports. The better team doesn't always win. But when there's a significant gap in talent, usually the significantly better team wins the game. Um, like you look at ASU, I guess what's what's concerning is yes, Arizona's defense has played well enough to win the at least the last two games, but they've also been not great against the run. And I guess Colorado, of course, were like four or five runs that were long runs, and the rest of the time they were really good. ASU, their strength, of course, at least offensively, seems to be their running game with those running backs, with Train and White. You know, and Arizona, I mean, remember, you know, Benjamin, he tormented Arizona for a little while, too. You know, like, <laughs> you have to stop the run and try to make Jaden Daniels beat you. And it's the same recipe, again, as it was against Colorado, same as it was against UCLA. If you can do that and make these quarterbacks, like, Jaden Daniels is better than Sam Neuer, and he's better than Chase Griffin, you know, but... He hasn't necessarily proven it this season that he has that rapport with all those freshman receivers, with Frank Darby. And you want Jaden Daniels to have to be the one to beat you. We want him putting the ball in the air. Might put it in danger at times. Like, he hasn't been sharp this season. But, of course, it's only been two games. So, 
But it's this is football. If you can run the ball, you're going to win. And if you can't stop the run, you're going to lose. And going into this game, that's the one thing that we can tell. Like, if you can run the ball and play defense, and those are the two things Brad was saying that are ASU's strengths, that's a winning recipe. So if you're Arizona, obviously you know, especially after your struggles against the run the last few weeks, really this entire season, you know that's what they're going to want to do. So does that mean you sell out early on to try to stack the box and make Jaden Daniels like you're leaving one-on-one coverage with some of the receivers? That's not ideal either, but that might be what you have to do to start. Yeah, I think from an Arizona perspective, your scheming is going to be extra important in this game, right? Like, I think Arizona's defensive line has the ability to help control the run game, but it's really about, you know, the guys at the second level making the tackles, right? Yeah. I don't think we can rely on Arizona's defense to be disrupting the plays and getting the running back in the in the backfield. ASU's and offensive so it, line has struggled a little bit, though. I mean, I, again, two games. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if Arizona's going to win this game, it's going to be because the defensive line uh, performs very well. And conversely, they, the, the running game needs to perform well on offense. Um, you know, hopefully, maybe... Arizona gets some guys back that have been nicked up like uh, Harris, I think missed the last game with the, with an ankle injury, you know, when you're starting outside linebackers, um, you know, it, I think, I think Paul Rhodes and the defensive staff are going to have to be, they're going to have to scheme it right. And they're going to have to make calculated gambles and try to time those gambles. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I think maybe you put a spy on, Jaden Daniels, even though I don't think Jaden Daniels, as much rushing yards as he has this season, I don't think he wants to run. No, because he as Arizona, as Arizona fans know, running running quarterbacks tend to get injured, and as we just mentioned, Arizona doesn't have much uh, depth at quarterback. So you know he's he's not apt to take hits uh, if he's at all intelligent. Um, and if I'm if I'm Arizona, I want to use that to my advantage in my scheming, right? And that means you don't necessarily even have to have a great, a super fast guy spying him, right? You just need somebody to make sure that he can't run for 15 yards well, yeah. because there's just, you know, nobody there within 20 yards of him. But, yeah, I think it's going to come down to the defensive line. Hopefully they can open up some holes for the guys like Rourke Freeberg who are undersized, but, you know, he shoots the gaps really well. Mm-hmm. And if he can disrupt some plays and get a couple tackles for a loss, you know, I think for for this game it's about avoiding the big play and get knocking ASU off schedule, right? Like, don't let them get four or five yards of carry. If you get an occasional, you know, pass deflection or a, a, a stuff at the line or a loss of one on a, a, a rushing attempt, that's going to go a long way as long as you don't give up, you know, the 60-yard the, the runs on <laughs> third and 11, right? Yeah, of course. So you want to make them work down the field, and they're not necessarily a big playoff. I mean, how can we say what kind of offense they are? You know, they got a new offensive coordinator, and they've played two games. Like, that's what makes this so difficult. Like, I wonder, there's that sense that they're a little rusty, maybe, and not as in sync as they would otherwise be if they played a full season. But also, there's not a lot of film on them in terms of, like, what ASU likes to run. So it's really interesting to see what Paul Rhodes is going to come up with in this one, other than just, like, run your defense. And if they <laughs> – and this is where the one – the one we haven't talked about is who's going to be quarterback for Arizona in this game. But if Arizona's defense plays like it did – maybe not plays like it did. If they give up around a point total that was – like the last couple of games, they'll have a chance to win this one. And ASU historically has not been a team that blows anybody out, so it stands to reason that Arizona could hang in this game. But Arizona's offense, really the last two weeks especially, without Grant Cannell, has been not good. Certainly not consistent. They moved the ball against Colorado. They couldn't punch it in the end zone, which was problematic. Like You're going to have to be able to do that. And maybe Grant Cannell plays. We're recording on Tuesday. The last we heard was Kevin Sumlin. He talked on Monday, said he'll know more Monday or Tuesday. Of course, last week he said yeah. he kind of hinted He's, that there was a chance and there, they knew he wasn't going to play last Monday. He, so, he, he ain't going to tell us anything about no, Grant Cannell's ability. No, he doesn't have to. And with Cannell, <laughs> I guess if you try to look for clues, does he have enough time to get on the practice field for one or two practices? Was it a, like, a, there's apparently no structural damage to his shoulder. So was it a bruise? Was it a sprain? You know, could he get out there and play in this game? We don't know. But basically, it doesn't look like he was wearing a sling anywhere. It looked like he was just kind of walking around. So it's possible. But with a shorter week with the game being Friday, it seems less likely that he would have enough time to get ready for this game. But certainly, if he's able to play and he's basically a healthy Grant Cannell, 
Arizona's offensive capability is that much better. Not that Will Plummer's been the issue. He hasn't been the problem for this team. But he just isn't good enough as a true freshman to be the solution. And Grant Gannell at times has shown that he can be that guy. He can make that big throw, can make those reaches. He's more experienced. But yeah. the offensive line is bad too, so maybe having a Grant Gannell who's not as mobile and coming off injury isn't the best idea. Yeah. I think the physical attribute differences between Gannell and Plummer are not that significant. In fact, I would say Plummer looks more mobile um, and maybe even, has, maybe even has a little bit more raw arm strength. Maybe Gannell's a little more accurate. I think the big difference, especially with an offensive line that has, shall we say, not uh, reacted well to blitzes in the last several games. Or um, four-man rushes. Not just blitzes. Or, yeah, or just, you know, if somebody would just do the drop 11 guys into coverage, they'd look great on pass blocking. <laughs> um, you know, I the the one thing I think Gannell has with more experience and more real game experience, even though he's still a relatively young quarterback, is the pre-snap reads. Um, you know, I think he is probably, I think it's a safe assumption to say that he is better at reading the defense beforehand and being able to check out of things and, you know, find the right hot route, make the right adjustment, know where the check down's coming. You know, probably a little more on the same page with all the starting running backs and receivers in terms of those those things than Will Plummer was uh, before he was kind of thrust into action. So, you know, in my mind, that can not fully, but at least to some extent, mitigate some of ASU's uh, defensive pressure and their strength on defense. And if you can do that, you know, that that's how you get a few more drives. That's how you don't turn the ball over in the red zone. You know, there's 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 there there are things where experience helps. Um, and I think that's probably the the biggest key at the quarterback spot if Gannell is able to play. But, you know, supposedly he was kind of warming up on the field before the Colorado game, even though he didn't play and was like in a sling. Like you he know? was doing some stretches, doing some things. Yeah. And obviously he hurt his shoulder. The guy can stretch like his legs. Like that's not, you know, he's not, he's not like on crutches or anything or in a wheelchair because he hurt his shoulder. But I don't know, Adam, as I get older, I try to, <laughs> I hurt my shoulder and then somehow hurt my legs, you know, stretching my shoulder and then my back goes and like, it just all falls it would not be a territorial cup if Arizona had if Arizona got to play their starting quarterback. I think that we've seen like almost like I don't know I don't know what the number is. Probably should have looked this up, but how many years in like recent years? I mean, there was the Nick Foles year where Arizona won, but Foles got hurt in that game. There was the game where Khalil Tate got hurt at halftime with Arizona up, I think ten. There was the game I knew Salmon got concussed on a a late hit on a personal foul by Utah the week before the game. You know, so I think Gerard Randall started that game, and then Brandon Dawkins came in. Like, Arizona has not had a a good run of healthy quarterbacks for this game. And, of course, ASU fans won't complain, nor should they. And if it is Will Plummer, at the very least, though, this would be a second straight week of number one reps. You know, and everything he sees for the first time is good. That should help him. And he's he's a gamer. He had them in position to win the game, you know, at times. And if Michael Wiley makes that catch at the end of the first half, maybe it's a different game. If Michael White doesn't trip over himself at the five-yard line and then that blunt interception never happens, like Will Plummer's a type of quarterback where if everything else around him works well, he can guide you to a win. He seems to have that ability. But is he good enough to make up for some deficiencies around him? And I don't think he is. I don't think it's fair to say to say to like to criticize him for that. He's a true freshman. But at the same time, is Grant Cannell good enough to make up for some of those deficiencies? That's hard to say, too. So I would feel better about them with Cannell just because we've seen more. Out of, like We've seen him throw touchdown passes. Will Plummer hasn't done that yet. But if Will Plummer doesn't play in this game, that's not me saying they're going to lose only because of that. Especially because, again, with every game, with every rep he takes, he's going to get more experience, and that should help him against a team like Arizona State who does have a pretty good defense, or at least they have defensive playmakers. Like, they have guys who can get after the quarterback, who can turn you over. I don't know. I forgot to ask Brad about they've lost some guys. Like, like I think Crosswell decided to declare for the draft. Jack Jones is a really good cornerback, was suspended indefinitely from the team. I don't know if he'll be back this week, but if not, Chase Lucas is obviously, as you mentioned, too, a really good cornerback. So it'll be interesting. If Arizona can win the turnover battle, I'd like to think they'll win the game. But going into this one, I'm not going to ask us to make a prediction because we'll probably be wrong. But <laughs> I just all oh, things definitely be wrong. Oh, yeah. Like all things <laughs> being equal, especially when we don't know much about one of these teams, I would think the safe route is to to bet on the talent. 
And as far as we know, there's better talent. There's just more talent, more scholarship talent on ASU. So I don't think the Wildcats win this game. Like, I'm not going to give a score. I think ASU wins the game. But there's certainly paths to victory for the Wildcats. And we saw them kind of take some of those steps toward that even last week against Colorado. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I mean, in sheer volume of talent, ASU has more volume right now because U of A has had so many guys opt out and transfers and injuries. Um, and so on paper, it should be it should be an ASU win. And in most likelihood, I, you know, it, it should be an ASU win. But it's also the Territorial Cup. It's 2020. Uh, it's always weird. Um, it's a little bit interesting to me that um, Brad was saying that it's the ASU kind of folks were thinking of it more as just like, it's just, you know, it's another game as opposed to the, you know, well, not it's another game like, that it's 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 a game. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, you know, well, I, 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 I think Arizona, I keep feeling like they're due for a rally around the, 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 the sinking ship a little bit, you know, kind of thing to band together to try to and they're going to pull out a game at some point. I kind of thought that was going to be the Colorado game and obviously didn't prove true. Um, and. So I part of me wants to be like maybe this is that game, especially where it's the rivalry game and it's weird, and maybe it is. Um, but then again, I could also see it going sideways real, real bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we don't have to make that prediction. Like I said, I, I think ASU wins. I'm guessing like neither one of us would predict. I don't think you'd pick Arizona to win the game. Just there's not enough evidence to think they will, other than the fact that maybe ASU was overrated going into the season. But we just don't know enough about them, which makes us a really Really weird game, but one that I guess if it does get played, we're recording on Tuesday, there's no indications that it won't be played on Friday at Arizona Stadium. Like, we'll take it. You know, in 2020, whatever happens, I obviously would like to win the cup back, but you'll just take another football game. Well, and I think it's really hard to to predict the outcome of this game if you don't know whether or not Grant Canella is starting, right? To me, that, that really fundamentally shifts – the likelihood or the probability of an Arizona upset, um, you know, with Plummer, I think it's I think it's still a possibility. There's a path to it, but I think you got it's a it's a very narrow path. I think with Gunnell, um, I think it's a bit wider. I'm not saying it's likely, but I think there's more paths to victory. Agreed. So we'll leave it at that. The game is Friday at five o'clock Arizona time. I don't know what time that is. East Coast doesn't matter. Time zones are tough but let's take one more break and we come back arizona basketball both the men and the women actually are undefeated on the season so we'll happily take that let's talk about what's going on on the hardwood after this break welcome back and i don't know where we start in terms of basketball obviously the women's team moved up to number six in the ap poll the highest the program's ever been a couple more wins over ucla and usc i yeah, you'll you'll take that. I know they think they could have done better in each of those games. They were close wins, but you'll take all wins you can get right now. But the women's basketball team, at least as far as we know, has been every bit as good as advertised, which is, I mean, you love to see it. Yeah, I was actually really, really sad I didn't get to watch any of that game because it was on Pac-12 Network. Um, and I wanted to, to watch it with a you know two top 10 teams and seeing Adia Barnes' team going out and playing. Uh, but, you know, they come away with a win. And I'm hoping that there's a few more games on TV so I can try to catch some because I really, really want to watch them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You no, can't. They... You, no, nothing to be upset about at this point. Um, you know, Adia Barnes talking some smack with people uh, not wanting to schedule games with Arizona. Love it. Which there's, I mean, it's there's there's kind of probably some truth to it, but you know, I love I love it where she has faith in her team and you know, for a program like Arizona. It's more of a an upstart program. You can get away with that that kind of yep. smack talk. Absolutely, and of course the, they beat you. Say that was a they were number nine at the time, and that was a good win. Close game. I caught that one too. So the second half anyway, and the USC was a little bit closer. USC's not as good, and that's a game where Coach Barnes was like, "Yeah, they they could be better." But you always it is. I've heard many times like there's nothing you can't learn from a close win that you can only learn from a loss. Like you might as well win the game. You can still learn from that close win, you know, and that's that's the coach's dream right there. Like, struggle, win anyway, because then you have those teaching moments. 
Um, the same could probably be said for an Arizona men's team who played a couple more games since we last did a show. Uh, they beat uh, Eastern Washington in a game that was closer than a lot of people would like. That was a struggle. There were a lot of a lot of questionable fouls called on Arizona. Jordan Brown fouled on that game, I think, after only like 18 minutes. Wasn't great. Azulis Tabellis, though, came in and was good that game. So he kind of stepped up. We had talked the last show, like, there might be a game where they do need him, and he he was there for that one. But then Arizona was able to play NAU. That game got rescheduled, and I guess for Arizona's sake, it's a good thing it was because that was a game. Arizona won 96-53, the most recent game as of this recording, that looked like a team where if you're the significantly better team, that's what you do to the inferior opponent. So that was was pleasant. Jamal Baker looking like some amalgamation of Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller and Steph Curry with the shooting. So basically he was Anaheim Dylan Smith. Yeah, I mean, I think I did tweet out that NAU, uh, NAU Jamal Baker is better than Anaheim <laughs> Dylan Smith. Don't at me. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that Eastern Washington, some people were having some consternation over that game. Eastern Washington is a decent team like they've got they're gonna sneak up on some guys like that's the kind of team that upsets somebody in the first round of the tournament as a you know 13 seed mm-hmm. um because they just they all can shoot the ball they played together a lot it's a good early season challenge and the good thing was in that game uh the thing that most impressed me was that arizona made significant defensive adjustments in the second half to address the shooters which lord knows sometimes with good outside shooting teams in the past. Uh, some Sean Miller teams have struggled to make those adjustments. Uh, so they really focused the effort in on the second half there. And then the NAU game was just fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it doesn't tell you much other than like Arizona. Arizona has some talent on this team. We know that. And it's going to take time for it to come together. And obviously when Jamal Baker goes off for 33 points, it's yeah, you can't expect that every night. I wouldn't, but you kind of see where they could be if, if Baker can hit threes at, say, a 40% clip, if Ben, who hit a couple threes in the game, can shoot from outside. Like, Arizona has size. They have athleticism. They have some pretty good guards. It would be nice to get Kirk Chrissa actually on the floor with them, too. But the one thing that you're not sure is, do they have shooting, outside shooting? And one game does not a shooter make. Like, Baker hasn't all of a sudden become a lot, you know, a dead-eye three-point shooter. But you have to have some talent to have a night like that even against a team like NAU, because some shots were open, some weren't. But how many times have we seen guys like Baker or other Arizona players miss wide-open threes? So, like, there is a skill for making a three-pointer that you, I guess, inherently should make or ostensibly should make. Like, yeah, you're open, you should make that, but it doesn't always work that way. So I think what we saw in that game was obviously Arizona physically so superior to NAU. Size, athleticism, like, of course, that that's not even a contest. But the shooting was a breath of fresh air, and if that can be replicated – throughout the rest of the season, whether it's Baker, whether it's Akinjo, whether it's Ben. You know, there's there's a lot to like about this team, and that would just raise the ceiling that much more. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally right, Adam. You know, if if you have some outside shooting to go along with Jordan Brown, who's just like a workmanlike guy in the post that, you know, quietly puts up a double-double and nobody cares because Jamal Baker is basketball god for the night against <laughs> NAU. He, like, Jamal, like... Jordan Brown had like a perfect game in the post and just he does he doesn't necessarily do the flashy things. He just executes, right? Yeah. And there's a there's a lot of value to that. And he does all the little things well. Um and if you can surround this roster with guys that can hit the open just hit the open three, that that pulls the defense out and that doesn't just open it up for the post guys. It opens it up for guys like Akinjo to drive. Because they can't cheat off, cheat off of uh, Jamal Baker to help, right? And Akinjo has looked great so far. Everything I think we could have hoped for. Mm-hmm. So you know it, that NAU game certainly shows a little bit of what the potential for this team could be once it all starts clicking. Uh, and one of the reasons why we've been excited about seeing how they develop because we thought that that potential was there, and you know, seeing it in in a real game, granted against an inferior opponent, you know, it's evidence that we can get there. And what's really exciting to me is seeing some of the new guys. Like, Dalen Terry has not been a great scorer, but he's done everything. He rebounds. He plays defense. He's a great passer, especially for a freshman, and he's got that length, so he's only going to get better. And Terrell Brown, the transfer, uh, the grad transfer, he's been really good off the bench as, like, a backup point guard. He came in as, like, a scoring guard. You thought, oh, can he do this? Can he be a point guard or can he play off the ball at the Pac-12 level? And 
his passing has been great. You know, a guy who comes in like this team, the most impressive thing so far is like they do share the ball. Like most of their back at their baskets have been assisted baskets. Like they move the ball around. The offense has clicked at a good way. Like where you say, okay, this this could work. Now, like could they do this or have these types of games against a Pac-12 team? You know, could they do it against UCLA? Could they do it against ASU? Could they do it against Washington? We'll find out, hopefully. But if you went into the season looking at the pieces on the roster and saying, all right, there's some potential there. Well, at least through these first three games, enough of that potential has shown through where you could buy into this team just maybe a little bit more now than you might have, say, a week ago or a week before that. Yeah, and I, th- and I think you have a great point on Terrell Brown because he was a guy that you know had, was a volume scorer with a lot of unassisted scoring, which basically was like, go – go get us some points Terrell, right? Mm-hmm. And that was what his team needed and the, the, there was kind of the question, you know, it's kind of, you never know if it's coach speak of like, oh, well he was just asked to do that and he'll be asked to do something differently here. He's shown a pretty darn high basketball IQ and somebody that's not necessarily just looking to score, though obviously he is capable of that. Uh and I think, you know, that's another uh a, a notch in the uh, in the positive developments uh column for the Arizona basketball team as you're looking ahead and you see that you see the potential you see the potential to build and lord knows I'm going to be more excited when my boy Kirk Carissa can play because I'm I'm I hope I hope he can come in and play some minutes also can we talk about Tibet Gorner coming in and just <laughs> drilling a couple couple threes he actually looked pretty good I mean he's good like lanky stroke, is all especially for a guy his size yeah I'm going to, I'm going to, I started the new hashtag for the, along with Coloca Nuts with the hashtag free Tibet. Yeah. No, after I think... he made his three. <laughs> <laughs> should be, should be three Tibet. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. When I tweeted that out from the Wildcat radio handle, I did also look to see if there was a family guy of him where he's like, hello, China. <laughs> I think I have something you may want. <laughs> But I couldn't find it. Unfortunately. Solid reference. Maybe, maybe because it's a little bit insensitive. <laughs> Just a smidge. Um, so that Arizona basketball men's team is now three and zero. Of course, some games have been postponed. NAU was postponed, and then it would end up being played. The schedule as of now is CSU Bakersfield on December 9th, then UTEP on the twelfth, then California Baptist on the sixteenth, and then Stanford at Stanford on December nineteenth. That's the goal. <laughs> you know, it's a really weird season, obviously. For Arizona, it's like anything else. One, you want to be able to play the games, but two, just show growth, show something. Like they're not, they're not ranked, and they're not going to be ranked for a while. They haven't beaten anyone who would cause them to shoot up the rankings. But for their purposes, the whole goal is to get better, to kind of have that cohesiveness, to grow into something as a whole. You know, the individual pieces are pretty good, but they seem like the type of group that could grow into. Like a big, like something that's better than just the sum of its parts, you know, that type of thing where they're so far playing team basketball. Guys are kind of developing their roles. Like I said, like Terrell Brown, Dale and Terry, guys who weren't necessarily looked at as people who could be like glue guys, be assist guys, move the ball around. They've done that amazingly. You know, Akinjo has shared the ball and he's been a guy when they need a bucket, he goes and gets a bucket. Like those are the things you need. Jordan Brown, very workman like. They have a lot of guys who are playing winning basketball and do things where you could see how these pieces fit together and. Over the offseason, we talked about it instead of all the same things, but it was kind of it was hypothetical. Now we're kind of starting to see it play out on the court. And, yeah, I'm more excited about them now than I was before. Yeah, and I, I think what we're seeing with this roster is something that we've talked about on this pod a few times, that especially in basketball, the most underrated players are the ones that are very well-rounded but don't have you know necessarily like that one superstar skill. And the most overrated thing is the people that have that skill. So there's not necessarily the superstar on this roster, but you have a lot of guys that are well-rounded. And I think that's showing up on the court so far. And so far, so good. We'll see how they grow with the next couple of games. Yeah, that that's basically where we're at with them. So hopefully those games keep happening. Everyone stay safe because, again, it's, we just like seeing these games happen. <laughs> you know, I don't want to win them, but at the same time, it is cool just to see some sports get that escape, get that diversion a little bit. So... Brett, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Um, make sure, if, listeners, thank you for listening. Make sure you're following the Wildcat Radio, Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Uh, Brett often tweets from there during the game, so this should be a fun weekend for him. Um, you know, find us on iTunes, on Spotify, pretty much everywhere you can get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe and give us some reviews, rate and review. 
you know, follow the content, make sure, because we have plenty of stuff that's coming out on Wildcat Radio 2.0 because we were waiting for games to happen. Now they're happening. We got plenty to talk about. So I think that that should probably about do it. Everyone, make sure you stay safe out there, stay healthy. We get through this. There seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel health-wise for everyone. So let's just make sure we can reach that point, you know, and then things can get back to normal-ish and we can actually go to games and go to tailgates and celebrate these games together. But regardless, until next week, remember to bear down. Bear down.